0: Round 10 for the Cats is done and dusted, away against Gold Coast at Metricon Stadium. The Cats got up 91-13-13 against the Gold Coast Suns, 64-9 goals, 10. With me here, as always, Jake and Ol, cooking back in there currently. How are you, boys?
1: (laughs) Yeah, good. Thanks, Ro. Thanks for
2: having me again. Um, I'm quite well, thank you, Ro. Good to... uh... Good to be here and looking forward to reviewing this one.
0: Stranger one, we haven't seen something like this this season. I guess we have in terms of the margin and we have in terms of being pushed, but the actual display itself and the conditions, it was tough. And you, you picked it, Jake, it was going to be tough. But as the ladder stands, I think it's quite unjust that, where Gold Coast currently sits, due, due, as you pointed out last week, Jake, we could just insert a snippet of what you said, but he's done a phenomenal job. And they should be higher up on the ladder. They have lost a lot of games this season by around 10 to 15 points. So they have been quite unlucky. The key stats here right now, inside 50s, we did eclipse them on. Condested possessions, we did eclipse them on, which is key as well. Tackles, a big theme this season. How many times have I talked about tackles? I know this is Gold Coast, but you play every single game in its merits, 94 to 88. Hit-out department, Jared Witts, did get the better of Reece Stanley, as probably expected. In terms of clearances, though, the big kicker, 56 in favor of Gold Coast, the 39 to the Cats. Bit of a transition this season, and this is what we're seeing. Without danger this match, being injured, Obviously, Gaz playing higher up the ground. Joel Selwood playing a very different role this season. More on the wing, only gaining the the 22 disposals. Insert the likes of TK, Mitch Duncan, Cam Guthrie, and Tom Atkins to step up on the weekend, Jake.
1: Yeah, Atkins was uh, fantastic filling in for Dangerfield considering he was injured. He had a pretty much his best game for Geelong he was um yeah pretty good he only had 15 touches but he was really effective with all of those touches and he had 11 tackles as well uh and, and was really good in the first half especially and in the player ratings i noted the goal he kicked was really reminiscent of that one against Adelaide that he missed at the start of the last quarter where he sort of broke through a pack and then dodged a couple players and then kicked the goal and i thought that was a great example of how much he's improving, because he missed a goal exactly like that against Adelaide. Yeah, I was really happy when I saw that, because it was a dead set, exact same sort of um, similarity to that goal. Um, yeah. If we're talking about clearances, James Parsons was fantastic in his first game. We'll elaborate a bit further later on, but he had seven clearances in his first game back for this year, which is fantastic, and TK does what he does best with eight, and he was good as well, but I think our game plan suits us to the point where uh, centre clearances didn't hurt us that much this game, and, and obviously we get the ball out of defence when we intercept Mark from that point. But yeah, we still, against better teams, would want to stop that uh, centre clearance numbers being so high, and especially such a big gap between uh, our our uh, centre clearance numbers as well. Yeah, and especially when the individual players, I guess, from Goldhurst aren't racking
0: up over 30 disposals. Fiorini being the and David Swallow being the big ones at 29 each, respectively. Oh, how did you see this match? Were you nervous at three quarter time? Was it one that we should have played better and put them away? Or are you happy gaining the four points and sitting where we are on the ladder currently and there's not too much to complain about?
2: I think it's uh, probably to a certain extent, it's the former. So, you know, I was hoping that we would put them away a little bit uh won't won't say annoyed, but uh, let's say miffed. Um at the fact that we that we hadn't, or the fact that they were just lingering around. But we knew that they would linger around because it's at Metricon Stadium and they play better at Metricon Stadium and I tend to think the conditions had a far larger impact than we even think. To my way of thinking, that was the thing that was keeping them in the game more than anything. The fact that the ball was a, you know, a bar of soap half the time. No player could pick it up. I remained convinced for much of the game that someone was going to end up injured in that game. Um, just because the the conditions were not conducive to clean football. And I thought at times we were trying to play clean football in conditions that you frankly couldn't do that. So um, it took us a little while to adjust, but I think once we got on top, it's uh, plain to see that we were a little bit too good when we, we got it together finally.
0: Yeah, that was definitely a bit of, Stewie Jew on the the ground. Fair play to the the Gold Coast coach. I think he executed his game plan really, really well, actually, and probably came out a bit unlucky. Two things there, I guess, regarding the the conditions. First of all, Tim Kelly, 35 disposals, 16 contested, eight clearances. He can do this if it's rain, hail, sun, whatever it may be. That that just looked like a dry ball for him. (laughs) He was picking it up every single time. Secondly, a strange one, because I think that when we're heading to Canina Park and when interstate teams are coming to Canina Park and it is an overcast day or it is is, uh, a rainy day, generally the perception is that that works in our favour. And obviously there's the ground structure that we know, And we know it's limits too. But generally, we're we're quite a good wet ball side. So it was interesting to come up against a team with the likes of Lacocious, Ben King, young kids in there as well, and really, really be pushed in a wet weather game where generally you'd probably back Geelong as one of the better wet weather teams in the competition is that correct, Jake, or
1: dispute that? No, I'd have to agree that, yeah, we are one of the the better wet weather teams in the comp. I think, obviously, our unique ground dimensions probably help us a little bit in that regard. But definitely Gold Coast took it right up to us and and just sort of, as I predicted, they were going to push us for a majority of the game. And I was getting a little bit nervous, uh, you asked, oh, before. I was definitely nervous at three-quarter time. I thought we might have put them away just a little bit before three-quarter time like we did against the Bulldogs last week with a few quick goals just before the siren. Um, yeah, credit to them. They've been fantastic this year. They've been competitive in every game, and uh, they, they've continued to build respect out of each game they play, and, and they've got some really good players. They're actually in some good young players, and and their senior core of Wits, Swallow, and Harbrow, and Alex Sexton um, always put in 100% every week, and they, they definitely have some weapons that, don't necessarily get noticed every week, especially Alex sekton I mean, he only had seven disposals and he kicked three goals from those two, seven touches, so he was really efficient and he played pretty well. Um, overall, I was pretty happy with how we finished. It, it, I don't care if it was Collingwood or Gold Coast that we're playing. If any team pushes you to three-quarter time and you kick four goals in the last and hold them goalless, I think that's a pretty good positive to take out of the game and... Like I, like we all sort of were thinking that we'd do that eventually. It just took a little bit no longer than what we thought. Um, I was still pretty happy with uh, how we played overall, even though it was a sloppy game. I think our skills uh, did help us get over the line in the end. And like last week, just like the general talent we have in our team and uh, led by Tim Kelly and Mitch Duncan again with, with the three goals, which I'm enjoying seeing those two play this year and especially Duncan's having a fantastic year. I'll,
2: yeah. Um, I genuinely agree with most of what you've said there. Um, I think the other thing to to point out in terms of the conditions that we've we've uh, failed to mention is the humidity and just the heat. Um, you know, the Gold Coast players are obviously more suited or more used to playing in uh, you know northern Queensland um, in borderline tropical conditions downpours of rain and slipping and sliding across the ground and that sort of thing that's not the conditions of geelong as a as a town it's not the conditions of victoria so um whilst it's you know whilst it can be wet here it's not typically wet and hot it's typically wet and cold especially during winter time so um i think that's a that's a factor because you know that 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 pushes players' uh, fitness levels and their hydration levels. And it kind of shows, shows, I guess, the the work that they have to do midweek to kind of get ready for the game. And, you know, all their dietary stuff has to be dead on. All their fluid intake has to be dead on. All that sort of stuff. And it's kind of it can sometimes be something that we don't perhaps pay as much attention to as we should.
0: Yeah, definitely. I thought, uh, a few other players did have a really good stand match. We, we've already mentioned Mitch Duncan there. I'm actually lost for words now. <laughs> <laughs> he let me down at the clock out of the week. And I said, Mitch Duncan, 25 disposals. You got 27. Thanks Mitch for overdoing yourself. Then Cam Guthrie, um, a whipping boy at times. Last season, since he's come back into the team, has just been outstanding for me. Through the centre, a different role, and they've let Guthrie be exposed to the centre. Um, and taking away Joel and Gaz from that shows the transition that the club is going through, even with Chuck and, and Lockie Fogarty currently still out of the team. Even then, I, I think that it was a good performance on the whole, just to get the, the four points in the testing conditions. Some notable mentions. I thought Stanley, even though he was outplayed in terms of the hit out departments, with Jared Witz gaining over fifty hit outs pretty comfortably and race with thirty-three. Again, his use around the ground was, was fairly good and his his off-ball movements just exceptional, I think Reese Stanley this season. Six tackles. Um you can compare them to Browdottens. We wouldn't do that, but they are similar in terms of providing another midfielder in the centre. Delhouse and Parfitt are also there as well um, in the tackle count as well, being busy seven and nine tackles respectively each them. So they both had good games as well. Down the back, it just continues with Blitz with his one percenters and Harry Taylor actually this week eclipsing him with 13, which is Surprise. And Tom Stewart still reigns even when Zach Tui's back in the team as the rebound 50 king for the Cats. So a, a change of the guard in, in many, many senses here.
1: Yeah, they definitely um they worked well, all, all the different parts of the ground, the, the midfield especially. Um, we've highlighted already that the clearance numbers weren't in our favour, but I feel like when we did get the centre clearance, we used it quite efficiently efficiently. After Parsons' first goal, there was a stage where he had the next two or three centre clearances, and he kicked it you know, long down the guts, and there was another centre clearance where TK had a shot at goal. I feel like we did adapt pretty well, especially in the third quarter to the conditions. Um, there was a lot of times where we, as the forward line, uh, left Hawkins isolated really well against the undersized Jack Homsch who did really well on Hawkins, but Hawkins is always going to be too strong for him, and like I said before, he could have had like seven or eight goals, but his contested marking was fantastic in the wet, and as -hmm. I said, Homsch was um, undersized for Hawkins, but as a team, I feel like we used um, Hawkins to the fullest of his ability in regards to leaving him isolated and and one out in the goal square or close to goals against Homch, and that was a really efficient way of um, kicking goals when you just get it to the forward and and leave him one out, and and he beats the defender, and it's a pretty effective way of kicking goals off.
2: Yeah, oh You know, Hawkins is uh, deadly in that, um, you know, 30-metre, 20-metre arc, let's say, um, out from goal when he can get one out in a contest and just use his bulk and use his height and use his uh, effective reach. And he can also jump. But, you know, if it's a one-on-one body contest, few players are going to be able to out out-muscle him. You know, he's just so, I guess, wide. There's there's so... <laughs> it's it's kind of... A player's not going to be able to reach around to get the... You know, to punch the ball away as it's coming towards him because he's just going stick to his, stick his backside out and hold his ground and take them up. He's also just pretty quick. For his size, you know, in a straight line. Anyway, how close is he now to um, leading the Coleman?
1: I think he's he's four. actually second. Yeah, I think he's four or five goals off. He's on twenty-seven, and Cameron's on thirty-three, so he's six goals off because Cameron kicked three.
2: I think if um if Hawkins can you know remain consistent, kick these bags of three, four, five, six, um well. Threes and fours, more more or less. Yeah. But the fives and sixes every now and then, if we have an absolute belter of a game at home or or he just, you know, goes gangbusters um, and kicks a bag, he's, he's shown he can do it. But, um, I mean, individual awards are nice, but we want the team success in the end.
1: I think this year's been the best year for... Hawkins in regards to a balance between that you know six goal forward and that you know four tackle four mark forward because he's had last year he he was down on goals a little bit I know he pushed really hard uh, for the Coleman at the end of the year and he was really consistent through the middle of the year but I feel like he's playing he was playing last year a more team orientated role and mm-hmm. this year he's got like the balance right of you know the goals come with the hard work that he's doing in, in terms of tackles and his He's moving up and around the ground. The issue for Jeremy Cameron is that he's got two other sort of key forwards for the Giants in Finlayson and, and Himmelberg kicking three or five goals every week as well. So they're sort of taking goals off him too. And, and there's no one really in our forward line except maybe Gary Rowan, who is capable of kicking like a big bag of like four plus, you know, maybe Ablett on a good day. But there isn't really another number one key forward for for Geelong Uh, There might be a number one, you know, forward target in in Rowan when Hawken might be up the ground a bit more. But, yeah, Jeremy Cameron's been uh, sort of shuffled around a bit uh, after the last few weeks where he kicked 30 goals in like five weeks or something or six weeks. But now Finlayson's coming out and kicking five goals. Himmelberg kicked five goals in the weekend as well. So, Yeah. Hawkins just needs to keep doing what he's doing and uh, he's currently ranked equal first in the AFL for goal assists as well. So he's he's definitely doing his bit for the team.
2: It's hard to believe that um, Hawkins still has his critics.
1: Yeah.
2: You know, people still think, uh, you know, he's underperformed or he's, he's not as good as he should be or, you know. But I guess the expectation of him as a junior was that he was going to be Essentially, the the premier forward of the competition, and you know then there was another guy, Buddy Franklin, who you know essentially took he over that man- took over that mantle for a period of time. But um, Hawkins is absolutely he is elite. His statistics over his career surely vindicate that. He's um, one of
0: the greatest full forwards Geelong have ever seen, and that's. Yeah. That's showing just by the amount of goals he's kicked over his his game period. And he's still going at the age of 30. But you're right. I think he's got the balance this year. Last year, we saw him saw him gaining around 18, 20 disposals regularly per match. But wasn't always chipping in regularly with the goals. This week, it's a bit more mix of he's kept his field kicking. His field kicking is elite, to be honest. He's, we've pointed this out before. But it's... That perfect mix of both of getting up the ground when needed to, but also hanging back and being able to kick kick clutch goals. Mm. How did? I'm um, just interested to know. This is this is a player that we'll put our hands up here. Had a lot of criticism from Kidney Clouder last year in terms of his output in games. Last season we did have a bottom six category um, <coughs> in a lot of our games. And I think for a right reason. I think because the team was underperforming. And the team as it is at the moment, yes, we've seen the likes of Gary Rowan being introduced along with Luke Dowerhouse, but it hasn't dramatically changed on paper. It's more the structure. Um, Gaz going up forward as opposed to last year, etc. Blitzar's being full-time back. Mark O'Connor and the team could go on about that. But Parsons' game was... Phenomenal. How do you rate his game? How much do you read into that going forth? I see Parsons in line to play against Sydney as a definite for me. That's a tick. We'll talk a bit about the ins and outs later on. But is this more of a consistency issue for you you'd want, Jake? Or are you pretty satisfied? This is a man that's has been plugging along in the VFL all season and has been in the best for the VFL. That's why he's been named emergency. Unfortunately, because of the the crop, the fantastic crop that we've got at Geelong, he just hasn't been given a, a shot in this season. He's taken his shot. Um, he's had a, a really, really good game. Deserves another game. Keeping in mind the conditions that we had at Gold Coast, would you like to see a bit more of it to be 100% sold on James Parsons' ability?
1: Yeah, I, I'm i a big believer in identifying the best role for a specific player. You look at Gary Rowan, who came to Geelong and said to Chris Scott, my best trait is my contested marking. And from all reports, Chris Scott laughed in his face. And look how that's gone for him this year. I was a big believer of Jordan Murdoch but he never got played off half-back, where I think his best role was, where he could use his pace and kicking. Parsons in the team now with no Sam Menegola and in the middle. I think that's his best spot, where he can use his athleticism and power because he's quite a tall, slender but strong player. I think he can be a similar player to Geelong, like what Kane Lambert does for Richmond, like what Tom Lynch Lynch does for Adelaide. Be sort of that high half forward link-up play between the yeah, midfields and the forwards. Very...
2: Mm. Yeah.
1: He had seven clearances, and and I said before he had two or three like centre clearances in a row after he kicked his goal. And yeah, for me it was it was a fantastic return. Four tackles as well was fantastic. He only had the fifteen touches, but he used it really well. I, I hope, and I think Cats fans hopes that. He comes back and proves a point to all of us and, and proves us wrong because it seemed like he had a chip on his shoulder and he was working to win some some praise and respect back, and he's already done that for me, and I really hope he continues his form. And if he does, it's just another player that might be playing career best form and, and we can have that depth. And if we can keep you know players like Parsons and Fogarty and Scott Selwood like, pushing to try and get in the side, We can just go through all year essentially and just have a ready-to-go player come into the side when we need it, if we need it. So, yeah, a fantastic return for Parsons and I was really pleased. In 2018,
0: all the phrases, I guess, football IQ or I guess time spent on the ball um, and decisiveness was used Mm -hmm. in relation to to James Parsons. Does this match show, given that it was in wet weather, probably tougher conditions to handle the ball and perform skills and Parsons looked like he was handling a dry footy you not yeah. at, at a TK's level obviously but does that show you some confidence that this is a young kid that's seriously improving or
2: yeah. well one I'm...
0: match against Gold Coast take a week by week
2: oh well well that's that's a good start that's all it is though you know it's his first game for the year we want to see the consistency of the results we know he can do it at vfl level but it's about making that next step up making that next jump up we've had multiple players across the years that have been too good for vfl but just not quite able to step up to afl level consistently i'm i'm willing to give him a i'm willing to give him a chance if he brings the effort and he brought the effort on the weekend so more of the same would be good. I hope it's just not a uh you know flash in the pan type game where he where he plays terrifically well, but then he's goes missing for the next um you know week or two. But um so ideally ideally this is a turning over of a new leaf for Parsons, I'm hoping. And um you know, hope hopefully uh, he can continue what he's started this year.
0: A few fan questions just to get out while we're at it. Jay, Mack McKnight says, I'm not sure if it's just me, but I feel as though our pressure has dropped throughout the last weeks or so, especially early in the game, which gives me flashbacks to our 2016-2017 form and a little bit of last year too. What are your thoughts on that? And how do you think we'll get back to the back
1: to our start of the year form? Um, well, pressure is such a hard thing to maintain every single game. It's not as easy as telling every player to go out and just tackle because there's different game styles that just don't suit it. And, you know, a lot of teams are really smart with their run and carry and their handball use now, and, and there's times where, players just aren't in that sort of headspace to, to think, you know, one handball or one kick ahead of the play and think, you know, if I, if I go here, I might end up tackling or blocking the player at this point. Last week, we had Tom Atkins out who is arguably our leading tackler this year. And he came back in this week and proved an instant reply with 11 tackles. And Cam Guthrie has been a pretty consistent tackling force since he's come into the team as well. Um, I don't know necessarily if our pressure has dropped um in each game maybe our I don't know the right word maybe we just aren't winning games as as well as we were in the early part of the season I don't I don't know if we're expecting maybe another you know 80 point win would sort of help us with a bit more confidence in in regards to that but I think we've been playing each game well that's why we're 9 and 1 so even if we drop a little bit from the intensity that we had at the start of the year, I I still think we're uh, ahead of the curve well ahead of the ball. And, um, yeah, we, we we just try and keep it up as much as we can and, and keep players like Atkins and, you know, Fogarty's been averaging nine tackles in the VFL. Scott Selwood's been averaging nine tackles in the VFL. If we can keep those players in or get them back in, that's going to help give us a push as well. And I think for now we'll just get to the bye and, and then, you know, after the break we can come out with a reinvigorated sort of pressure um, aspect like we did at the start of the year.
0: When I'm reading Matt's comment there, the two things that come to my mind are firstly, Chris Scott's word in his presser, which I actually agree with. I think his words were in regards to being first on the ladder after 10 rounds, it doesn't feel like it. And I think that's fair fair to say when, we have had matches where have been close. We haven't had matches over 10 rounds where we produced a four-quarter display. But similarly, second on the ladder, arguably the best midfield in the competition, arguably the best team in the competition, they've won a fair amount of their matches at the very, very end of the fourth quarter. I'll bring in Carlton, I'll bring in Uh, upcoming opponents, Sydney, last week that they played on Friday night that came down to the wire in the last two minutes. So, at the same time, Collingwood, who no one would want to play right now and throughout the season no one would want to play them, they've looked shaky in terms of all four quarters and all four displays. So, I think it is one of those seasons where eventually you will see teams fit their right place in the ladder. For, for instance, St. Kilda started uh, a 4-1, I believe, and now they've hit probably where they deserve to be, mid-table of the ladder.
2: Things good have even been one, A
0: good, strong opposition. But yeah, they, they will come up and down and I think after 10 rounds, is it indicative of how we've played? Probably. Uh, probably, I'd say yes, considering on paper, the uh, the teams that we have played and the teams that we have yet to play being Carlton, uh, I know free away, maybe uh, a tough match, but Sydney at home, I'd like to, to bank that one as a win. We'll talk about that one a little later. Um, so, we have played the, the so-called tough teams that were leading into 2019 that Yet there is this kind of aura surrounding cats fans, and it's a fair aura as well that we haven't really polished teams off or we haven't really deserved to be top of the ladder fair comment to make all
2: um I think to a certain degree uh yes, but there's also the element of because of our um you know just. On the basis of statistical position, you know, being on top of the ladder, we are the hunted. And every week, the hunted knows they're the hunted, or they better know they're the hunted, or they're going to get, you know, killed. Um, So they have to know, um, and we have to know that the the opposition's going to be coming after us every week, you know, for, for as long as we're top of the ladder for as long as we're statistically the, you know, the supreme team of the, of the comp, then um, we, we are hunted and um, you know, every team's going to, going to want to take our scalp, if that makes sense. Um, the other point of view where you said that, uh, that other, other fans or the general media feeling is that we, we, perhaps don't deserve to be where we've been or where we are, more or less. Um, I would uh, hazard a guess and get us to recall last season with uh, West Coast, I believe. Did they win 10 straight at the start of the year?
1: Uh, no, I can't lost. recall, actually, yeah. They lost to Sydney and I think they won like eight or nine straight, yeah.
2: they so, Yeah. They, they won they won a bunch of games um, in in this early patch of the year, similar to us. But they won a bunch of games in this early patch of the year and people were still saying that they weren't much of a threat. People were still saying, oh, you know, they haven't played anybody or that, that most of their games have been at, at uh, Optus Stadium or, you know, most of their games have been at home. So... Oh, they're all easy beats. Oh, it's still statistics and it's still, they're still wins. So a win's a win. We'll take what we can get. As long as we're winning, I don't really feel like we can complain that often. I mean, obviously, you'd like to see um, form and you want to see the teams playing, you know, in waves of momentum and just rolling over the opposition. But it's difficult to back up week after week, as we've already mentioned. I think we've
0: had it so good as Cats fans. I remember 07, 09, 11, I was biting my fingernails off. So for this year, I just want to be optimistic. I just want to be yeah, going and as proud as ever, literally standing proud. Mm-hmm. Ben Jarman asks, boys, thoughts on what... Got into Gaz lately, seems undisciplined. So Gaz's strike on the weekend, what do we think about this? There is the the third week. All right, so we'll break this down. There's two separate arguments here. There's one which is, I guess, seen by probably some Cats fans and the opposition fans and general media of sorts, where this is the third week running where a player has been undisciplined of sorts. Then there's the other side, which is the actual ruling itself. So, in the other two weeks, he didn't get suspended. Why not? Because it wasn't forceful contact. Make what you will of the rules itself. If Dylan Shield was down for 15, 20 minutes, would a suspension be made? Potentially, probably likely. Um, And same last week as well. If the player was concussed, would would, a. Subtention be put on by the MRO? Most definitely. This was different because it wasn't an elbow. It was a clench fist. So I think he's fair play in the the one week there, definitely. Is it a little bit of an argument, Jake, versus the player as opposed to the actual rules that are in play? Because under the rules... The first two weeks, if we're talking about Gaz, if we're, if we're uh, putting this into three weeks here where he's been under scrutiny, the rule states that he shouldn't have been suspended. Uh, it wasn't forcible contact enough to constitute um, a suspension.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think that there's a sort of subconscious Thinking when the match review people look at these sort of things, that if it's a you know if it's a name that they're a little bit subconsciously lenient towards that player depending on the action. The biggest one for me was that five hit on Tom Lynch a couple of weeks ago where he fully raised his elbow into the back or side of his head. Yeah, got off. Very deliberate. Yeah, I I thought that Ablett should have probably gotten a week for. Definitely one of those elbows, probably the shield one. Um, and this week, yeah, it's probably probably just justice, I would say, for probably third third strike and you're out. And I think we were keen to rest him anyway. So it's not really a massive loss for Geelong as a whole. It actually gives us a good chance to see how the forward line operates without Ablett now. But, yeah, hopefully this is the last we have to talk about. Ablett being undisciplined. Hopefully, it's the last time I have to write about it in the player ratings, and that's it for the rest of the year. I only want to be talking about Ablett's, you know, kicking goals and getting touches and doing well in the forward line.
2: Mm. The
1: little master.
2: Um, Yeah. (laughs) There's an an argument that, uh, you know, it's three isolated incidents in over 300 games, and there's also... There's also potentially an argument that plenty of fans, for for their own reasons, um, may not like Gary Ablett, so they want to kind of cut him down. There's a little bit of that tall poppy syndrome at times, I think.
0: Exactly, and without even having to name what that is about, the the social media posts that, drew, that drove that over the past month or so, um, I think that's definitely added to the the fire that Gaz is under against opposition supporters. But at the same time, the more yeah. you boom, it seems the more you boom, the better he gets. Yeah, true. For me, I think the rules seriously need to be looked at. If a head clash with Gary Rowan and Durden and Durden gets one week because of that and it wasn't really that bad a bump at all. Still gets one week. Yet there is some clumsy contact with Dylan Sheal um, last week as well. And because the player didn't get injured, unlike Gary Rowan, there's no subs- suspension, regardless of the actual uh, execution of whether it be a tackle, a bump, etc. So the nature of the rules being all about. Well, essentially leaning towards force, and how much they hurt the opposition player, and how much they impacted the opposition player, it needs to be re looked at. I think, because otherwise we're just going to be talking about this again and again in relation to other players. So this isn't a Gaz issue for me. This is just a a rule issue. Jake,
1: yeah, I'm I'm sick of hearing about it. To be honest, every week there's you know something that happens a player gets a fine or a week and then they go and contest and they get off and it just seems like everyone's getting confused about it the fact that we're talking more about suspensions and you know off-field incidents and things like that rather than talking about footy that actually happens and what people pay to go see is just crazy and i feel like the media probably helps blow it up a little bit Mm -hmm. the media obviously influences a lot of uh a lot of decisions and in in that way they change a lot of people's minds and make people think things and really we should all just take a step back and watch the footy and only worry about the footy. And there's so much stuff midweek now, you know, it's like every single podcast and every Twitter handle has something to say and it should just be about, you know, Geelong playing Sydney this weekend, which is the main thing that I'm going to be worried about.
0: Exactly, and following that statement,
1: Gaz obviously will be out this week.
0: Likely reports, in comes part of the danger field. It's a pretty bad Adrian. replacement, isn't it? It's not, it's not the
2: best. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, it's it's like for like, but it's, um, yeah. You know, I, I don't know if I rate danger as, um, as much chop, <laughs> to be honest.
1: Brownlow medalist. Brownlow medalist isn't bad.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: To be honest, he, he's a pretty bad player, Danger.
1: He's he's a horrific oh, player.
0: He's, he's one, one of the worst players so long we've probably seen.
2: <laughs> Just the obvious. I can't, I, 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 I can't say that without smiling.
0: Danger's <laughs> back this week. So, Very what are we seeing fitting him? Gaz comes out, Danger comes in. Darcy Fort didn't have a great game on the weekend, but I put that down to the conditions. Yeah. Big Sav didn't play in the VFL being an emergency, so he was kept over. So Sav is available if needed. Now, Fort had his moment in the spotlight against the Western Bulldogs down at Kenya Park. Does Sav come in for Fort? Does Danger come in for Ablett? Is it as simple as that? Scoot Selwood's played consecutive games in the VFL now, has been performing very well, racking up mid 20 disposals and a large number of tackles to go with that. It looks like they'll give Lockie Fogarty a couple more weeks in the VFL, given his lack of preseason and the amount of time that he has been out for. What what do we think of this, boys? In line, another one we haven't even mentioned, Sam Simpson's been forming fantastic in the VFL as well. Yeah, Simpson's
2: been killing it.
1: (laughs)
0: Yeah, and Freddy Krueger kicking six on the weekend.
1: Yeah, um, I I think they should persist with Darcy Ford. He had a quiet game in terms of not kicking any goals, but he still provided, like what Sav was doing for a majority of the season, he was still providing a forward target and and had the opportunity to crumb a couple of balls and, and, and let smaller players get to it. Um, the conditions weren't really suited for a ruckman and, and he got his hands on a couple of balls, but I think they put Burgess down on him to specifically spoil those you know long balls into the like the goal square where Fort seemed to get spoiled a couple of times um I think we can uh yeah I think we should play him again against Sydney and, and give him you know he's kicked three goals at that venue already so he'd be happy to head back there and hopefully get a couple more out and yeah just have Sav ready to go if we need him and Krieger's kicking six Buzz is kicking five last week just have those forward tall targets ready to go if we need and just give Fork some games and just see what happens. Maybe just play him until the bye and reassess then and see how he goes. And I think that's, that's the leap. Well, if that's our biggest problem right now, it's a good problem to have if, if our, you know, second ruck and forward is, you know, only kicking three goals every second game. And he still had two marks, had four tackles and, I only had the seven touches, but it's more than touches for for that position. It's you know crashing packs and creating, uh, you know spill balls for smaller players. So happy to see him it again. Sydney did play Collingwood
0: last Friday, lost by seven points in the end. So Collingwood, a great little output team this season. Sydney really pushing it to them. When we've seen displays from this season that we thought they were down and buried this season, and it would be about a a rebuild with uh with Blakey and and other likes coming to the team, such as Jackson Therlow from Geelong, who will likely line up at Kenya Park against his old team this weekend. But on paper, I'm not really worried about their their forward line, whether it be buddy plays. Tom Lodigan did it back in the day, back in Blitzarves to do it. Um, Sam Reid had a bag against Collingwood. Harry Taylor, along with Blitzarves. Colour as well. Tom Stewart to add to that, they'll do the job. They'll do the job, no worries. In terms of our forward line, Alir Alir to be fair to him, he's been fantastic. I think it's That's two seasons around now, he's been fantastic. He's used to the balls better. Um, he has hardly put it a step wrong really. Jake Lloyd hasn't seen as much of it, but still a fantastic rebound player that can hurt people from defense and midfield. Turned her on the weekend. Luke Park out a Scorcher of a game. Cal Sinclair one of those ones that's kind of up and down each week. Uh, not sure what to expect with Cal Sinclair. Along with Cal Mills as well. How do we see this one, boys?
2: I mean I'm well, it's more of an open question to you guys. How would you have felt how would you have felt um, if Sydney had beaten collingwood and then we beat the gold coast that puts us you know two games clear on top versus collingwood winning to keep sydney winless if that makes sense and and you know keep them in statistically poor form going into our match how you know did did we are we happy that That Sydney lost essentially. Even
1: though they even though they lost, I still think they've they've really found their form this year. The fact that they've I feel like they've acknowledged that they're not just like a walk-up start, you know, top eight side like they might have thought at the start of the year. They they've recognized themselves that they're a rebuilding team. They're rebuilding their list. There's players that they've based this list around, and the fact that they've recognised that they're going out with a different mindset in the last two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. Ever since that North Melbourne game, I think when they just snuck over North, they've they've really you know, found their stride and they know what they have to do to win now instead of just expecting it to happen. So um, I would have got the same out of that game, even if they did uh, win. Obviously, they did lose, but I, I think they have found their form. So it's not going to be the easiest game ever. And of course, they're the best form team uh, of any team at the moment down at Cadinia Park. So I'm not, you know, hundred percent convinced that we're just gonna win this game. There there's a bit of work to do before that and they still have, you know, names like Heaney and Florent and Buddy Franklin on their list that can do some real damage. So I'm uh I'd be very happy if we got over this one um comfortably, but I'd just be happy with the win first and foremost. They put a lot of faith in faith in the the young kids and Yeah.
0: Soon soon to be your They'd hope to be key position players being Tom McCartan, Blakey. Blakey was lights.
1: awesome. He was. Blakey's he had a
0: fantastic of- game. Gym. Yeah. Um, the good sign for Geelong, never a good sign for an injury, but the good sign is that a fantastic midfielder for the Swans won't be available being Josh Kennedy. So no JPK. Dangerfield comes in. Our home
1: turf. Four points for me. I think Jared McVeigh and Kieran Jack were both ready to come back for this game. Um, i read on Sydney's website in the their injury player sort of review segment, uh, McVeigh's been out since like round two or three, and he, he was having a good first few games. So that would be a big addition back to Sydney's team. Um, we were, you were talking about an ex-cat before Row in uh, Jackson Thurlow, and there could be another ex-cat um, coming in for Sydney this week with Dan Menzel returning in the NIFL and kicking three and five goals over the last two weeks. I wouldn't be surprised to see him back in, and that makes me a little bit more nervous because he knows that ground very well, and he certainly kicked some goals there. So that might just give him that, that little little more in, inside information to that ground and might help them push closer to a win.
0: Yeah, definitely. How, how about your thoughts all coming into this game?
2: Generally speaking, I'm, you know, quietly confident. Um we've been, you know probably a little bit louder about our confidence in in, in recent weeks. but um, when we're winning most of our games or well we're won, well, we've won a, a bunch this year. But when we're um, when we're not absolutely smashing teams, but we're just getting the job done and it's just you know, business as usual type stuff. I think it pays to just be quietly confident and just not get ahead of yourself too much. I mean, I've I've made comment in in the past um perhaps not on this platform, but um certainly elsewhere that I think it's all right to to be, you know, um really positive and really upbeat about the way things are going and to be excited and to, you know, Sometimes let the lid off a little bit, but um, that that's purely out of um, out of the opinion that uh, you know if the team is good enough, it's not going to matter what the fans or the media say. Um, they're just going to be good enough to win regardless, even if we pump up their tires, you know, or blow their trumpet or h- however you want to say it. Um, you know all that sort of stuff. If we build them up to be awesome, if they're good enough, they're good enough. If they're not, they're not. But um, generally speaking, yeah, I'm I'm somewhat confident for this game. And um, then we can move on to uh, is it the the Richmond game? And that that's the big Richmond, test. yeah. That's the genuine that's...
0: test. Mm. Yeah. Back for that one, which will be good. Saturday uh, against Sydney, 410 degrees. Shouldn't be a rainy one, but there may be a bit of dew on the ground. Uh, so, but we know our home ground. There's our ground, there's our turf. We have a good record against Sydney, albeit last season. Um, bringing back some not so great memories. But wouldn't it be great to go wrong, kick a bag against Sydney? Just let him <laughs> know that uh, he's a strong boy at heart. <laughs> um, but I, I honestly am really confident coming to this match. And you talk about positivity just before. I'll and yeah, I completely agree with you in that regard. The last couple of days, Chris Scott's brother, Brad Scott, has come off fire. Obviously, a resignation. We won't go on and talk about North Melbourne much, but compare ourselves to a North fan or a Saints fan or a Carlton fan and what they've had to endure over the last decades and what we've gained. Yeah, I've seen three premierships in my lifetime. I'm grateful. Some yeah. people have never seen a premiership at all yeah, and are much, much, perspective. much older.
2: There's so not perspective.
0: to not bottom out, to not gain a high draft pick at all, Thank you, Stephen Wells, and the recruiting department, and thank you, Scotty, for just implementing the game plan really well this season. To be first on the ladder, going into the Richmond match, at the very least, uh, regardless of whether we lose this match, um, is fantastic considering where I thought we would be at the start of the season, being pushing between somewhere between sixth and tenth, honestly. So, to be first on ladder at round 11 after this match, even if we lose this, so it's an ama- It's amazing. And it's an incredible brand of football that we're playing. Fans love it. It's exciting. The likes of New Blood, Grant Myers, Tom Atkins, Charlie Constable, big sub still in there. Jack Henry's played over 30 games now. Tom Stewart, still young, played over 50 games now. It's exciting. This New Blood that's coming to this team. Along with Dowhouse and Rowan, the the draftees. So get about, keep the positivity up, to, up and going. And um, I'm really confident. Four points locked it away. I can already before we get onto it. Glad cat of the week. Gary Rowan's gonna pick five cat of Sydney.
1: Well, if we're doing the uh, if we're doing the cat of the week, and I was going to pick Gary Rowan, so thanks for that, Row. Um, let's see. Just gonna go a nice. Uh, oh, actually, I was gonna go a nice easy one in Mitch Duncan, but I'm gonna say Blitvars is gonna keep Buddy to two goals, so he'll be my cat of the week. Geelong to get up by twelve points.
2: Have we mentioned um, Tom Atkins at all in the uh, Cloudy Cat of the Week predictions?
1: I don't think so yet. No.
2: Well, let me be the first. <laughs> How um, many tackles? Because if this, if conditions are as they are at present, um, which is just wet and miserable, (laughs) disgusting, and you know all that sort of stuff, um, then uh, I imagine someone who puts their head over the ball and is a borderline a a human cannon. I reckon that they're going to have a good game, Um, and. That's the way that Tom Atkins plays his footy and uh he seems to enjoy, you know, the down and dirty, um getting the rolling the sleeves up even though they wear sleeveless jumpers most of the time now. Oh. Um and you said that, Zach Zach Tuvi, still keeping going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, you know, but putting putting the shift in, putting the work in and um Seems to enjoy the home matches as well. So, I will predict um, Tom Atkins to be the Clouder Cat of the Week. And how many terms tackles? Terms of, how many terms tackles? Terms of number I'm of interested. tackles. Double figures. Double figures. I love it. I is, love that, it. is that is uh, that specific enough?
0: That yeah. is. Yeah, I think you got eleven on the weekend, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Let's be optimistic about it.
0: Cats to win for me by. I'm going to go seven goals. I'm very That's confident this match. Wow.
2: 42 points. Well, we did mention in we have mentioned in previous weeks that um, sometimes um, we perform better than we expect at home and kind yeah. of put the opposition to the sword um, when we don't even ex- when we don't think that it's going to happen and we think that the the opposition is going to come in with a bit bit of a better game. Um, I'm probably not quite as confident with the scoreline. I will go the conservative 24 points. I do feel like we'll have an element of control for most of the game, though.
0: Just the the small four goal margin. I like it. Still, I like it, Jake.
1: Yeah, I said before in my Caninia uh, Cloud a Cat of the Week. Uh, Blitzaev to keep Franklin to two goals and Geelong to win by 12 points. Two goals. All right. We'll see who buys the the box of chocolates next week. (laughs) Sounds good. Let's just hope for a win first and foremost. Go Cats.